We started this series on the book of John, and I just want to say this to those who showed up this morning for our Bible study, thank you for doing that, and that's not a knock towards anybody who did not, okay, so that's not the intent of that, but we are excited about that. If you hadn't had a chance uh, to be a part of that, we just want to encourage you uh, to still sign up. I know there may be a point where you maybe feel like it's too far into it, but it's not yet. And so we're meeting now for another six more Sundays on Sunday morning from 9.15 to 10.15 using this book right here, the book of John, and just want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. And so that, again, you're still, uh, it's still available, is what I'm trying to say, to be a part of. So I ask that you would do that if you're thinking about it. Again, great crowd in there this morning. When you go to Scripture, we do believe it's living and active, so you read it one time, it seems a little different to read it another time and go, okay, and another time you're in a different place, or you're reading it with other people in the same thing, and they're going, you're going, boy, I just didn't get that at all, or I've heard that a thousand times. I've read John 3.16. I've seen it on signs. I, I saw that before I even knew what it meant. I saw it at a football game. I saw it. So our hope is during this series, if you are here for the first time and you are just knowing about what we're, just finding out about what we're doing, is that as we read these three chapters together each week, whether you attend in person or not on Sunday mornings back there, that's okay. Uh, Just ask that you would, and if you need one mailed to you, I just say this, if you need one mailed to you somewhere across the, I don't know about around the world, I don't know how far, how quick we can get it there, but in the country we can, so if you'd let Joy know in the office, we'll try to get that to you, and just email us, and you can chat, you can do that, give it, send that to Ricardo, and uh, he will make sure we get that information. So we want you to be a part of that. And one of the parts of this is, is that each person who speaks over these next many weeks, and there will be various ones, many, all that you know, that if you are a part of renovation, if not, you may be introduced, to, introduced new if you had not been a part of renovation. Either way, it's going to be good. But they're going to share more a little, personal stories along the way. Now, like today, I'll share a few, and maybe it's more than usual, but I hope as I share them, it gives you a little sense of how I know Jesus, the Jesus I know. Because one of the challenges I gave you last week was, if you had to write the gospel according to blank, what would your gospel say about your relationship with Jesus? It would probably be personal, obviously, your own relationship, but stories of other people and, and situations you've seen him work in. But the gospel according to, and again, just as my disclaimer, I don't mean that sacrilegiously. So as I read this week, for the umpteenth time, I've read these three chapters. And you read it going, Lord, what's new? Or what's not new, but I need to see it different? So I landed on a spot. Some of you may have landed here also. And I think part of the reason I landed here is because that's kind of where I am personally in my journey. You read it different. So it's John chapter 3. You knew it was John, right? Chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Very familiar. You're, some of you are going to say, I've heard you preach on this before. I'm going home. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm going to read the whole thing. Hopefully most of you have already read it, so you'll know what context this is in. 
It's his meeting with Nicodemus. I'll give you that part. Nicodemus, a part of the religious leadership, comes to Jesus at night. At night. He says to Nicodemus, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you, and literally what that means is there, it's plural. The, the translation there is you guys, <laughs> it's like you guys must be born again. Not just you, Nicodemus, but you guys. You guys who think you've got it all figured out. Everyone, who I'm including, you guys. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. There's a mystery. There's a mystery to this. Jesus is emphatic. And I think it's sometimes we read over Scripture and we just don't realize how emphatic I think Jesus is speaking here. That no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of the Spirit. Not just born intellectually, not just study enough and get it down and know how to quote Scripture. No, born of the Spirit. Our human spirit has to be born again. A radical restart, regenerated. And it has to happen. And here's where some people get real, real stuck in their journey of figuring out whether or not they're going to follow Christ. You cannot know the things of God unless your spirit is reborn. Let me say that again. You may be here stuck today in this hole. You've been doing this a long time. You kind of bumped up against it a whole lot. But you're stuck. You know enough intellectually to keep showing up. But it's not changed you, it's not stirred you, and it's because you've not allowed the spirit to connect with your human spirit, your man's spirit, the spirit you're born with, the Holy Spirit, and your spirit have to be there, or you will not understand the things of God. And even then, it's complicated. Anybody got an amen to that? <laughs> Anybody got that? Yeah. It's still complicated. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2. says the natural man cannot what? Understand supernatural things. Not happening. No matter how hard you try to study intellectually, unless your spirit, the pneuma, is awakened by the spirit, you will not understand. And see, when I read Nicodemus here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Nicodemus because you guys, many of you know I do a whole sermon on that. You know, the first three chapters, we could camp out on this for the next seven weeks. You, you know that, I know that. We could just do that. But just briefly with Nicodemus, though. We read this, 
at times, and I have, as if Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. I would say, actually, it's the other way, and potentially. Let's just look at, what if he understands completely what Jesus is talking about in this sense? That religion alone cannot give you life and light. All the rules, all the, 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 the ceremonial, all the traditions, all those things, you can have all those things, and you revere them. It's not like you have, you're, you're like, you, you revere them. You walk into a church. You walk into this, and you pray, say that prayer, and you do that. That's all great. And I'm, I have no pushback on that. But Nicodemus knew that alone does not give life. And he knew it. He understood where Jesus was coming from, I think, is my take on it. He just didn't know what to do about it. Why do you sneak out? Why do you sneak out at night? You're part of, you could be in real big trouble. Why do you sneak out at night? Why do you go see Jesus? Because you know he's speaking something. Because this whole concept Jesus is bringing is revolutionary. The kingdom was personal. The kingdom was not national, not ethnic, not heritage, not by osmosis, not by living with the right family, or simply being a better person. It required repentance and a spiritual rebirth. That's why some of you are stuck. Last week I said, it's kind of like when Jesus is saying to, to Nicodemus here. Nicodemus, the wind blows where it blows. Do you hear it? Like I said last week, you feel a little bit of the wind blowing, the Spirit, and then one day it gets bigger. And it continues to get bigger, the stirring. It keeps welling up inside of you. You can't quite explain it. You can't kick it away and down the road. Oh, yeah, you guess you can in some ways. But the voice or the word, you can't explain what's happened, but you're like Nicodemus. You can't explain it away either. We've repeated these words often here, and most of you can repeat it. Those are around renovation, the words of Leif Peterson. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. And if you want to walk in step with the Spirit, that should be a big amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you are relentless. And the methods of the Spirit 
seem out of sorts with the human eye. There's things that the Spirit does that make no sense (laughs) and not rational. I think we could sit down and talk about our gospel according to us and talk about our journey with, God, with Christ, and if that's the case, and you go, wow, that, that was pretty crazy. For some of you, you're here today. You're, here, you're not even sure why you're here today. You got invited by somebody. You showed up today. Why this day? The question is not always, how did you show up somewhere? The question is not always, you know, Is God real or not real? The question ultimately comes down to each one of us. Are we going to, are we willing, are we going to allow like Nicodemus, are we going to allow the wind to blow where it blows? Because you can be following Jesus for years and walking in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit blows a little different and shows you something different. I'll tell you this. When the Spirit works, in other words, when we allow it to work, the effects are undeniable, unmistakable. And Jesus just uses the the argument of the mystery of the wind, right? Why should it surprise us, this mystery of the Holy Spirit? Why should it surprise us, this mystery of being born again? That somehow or another we have to explain it. When you can't explain the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. The meaning of walking by the Spirit takes on, and that's Galatians 5.25, keeping step with the Spirit. I've shared with you before here. The visual I get of that personally is me following my dad around, and I I walk fast. I I just always have as a little kid all the way up because the reason I walk fast, even to this day, and I really don't know how to walk any other way, and it's aggravating to people around me, and uh, yeah, is because I learned from my dad. If I want to keep up with my dad, I have to walk fast. I have to keep in step with him. Well, that's what we're talking about, keeping step with the Spirit, sometimes quicker, sometimes slower. Now, again, my dad's analogy of always going somewhere fast, there's a lot behind that, and there's a story backdrop to that that, that, that makes a little more sense when you understand it. But, but I do believe sometimes we do need to slow down. Okay, just so you know, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But walking in step with the Spirit, if you take the gamut of Christianity, <clears throat> that's going to mean a lot of things to a lot of people, right? That walking in step with the Spirit may be a sign of, uh, some would say, well, you've got to have signs of certain gifts or you're not walking in step or filled with the Spirit. Uh, you know, others uh, could be the fact, again, if you don't do these certain traditions, you don't do these certain steps, you're not, you're not operating in the Spirit, so there's all kinds of things that we can look at if you want to just say, how, how, what's the effect? Of, I, I will say this, though. I'm a little bit emotional. Most of you know I, get, I would say emotional. I, 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 I display my emotions, whether it's in sports, whether it's in a lot of different ways. I'm very demonstrative in so many other ways. But I think we always have to be real careful to say that, well, that means he's filled with the Spirit. They can be deceptive, and you, know, I, you and I both know it. But I can also look at people who are stoic, that very well may be walking in step with the Spirit. But I will say this, I personally believe it's probably somewhere in between. 
Too much of one, too much of emotion, you can miss truth. Too much of truth, you miss emotion. I believe God's both. And in my journey, especially early on, I went on this journey going out looking. I believe, believe the Holy Spirit was prompting me to go looking for more, whatever more meant. Uh, I, I had walked this two years chasing after God, but there seemed like there was more. Now, I won't get into that story today, but I believed out of that, uh, I went to churches during that time. That I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't even feel comfortable walking in today, just to be honest with you, because I was in search of. It wouldn't be where I would attend church, not because I have anything against them, and I thank God that they're, they're chasing after God that way and worshiping that way. It's just not me. Thank good there's options. As long as people are walking in step with the Spirit. I don't stand in judgment on that. Jesus says in John 15, 26, but I will send you the advocate, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. I mean, this week, as you read 4 through 6, to ask the Holy Spirit to maybe see something different. That you see the Gospel of John different. Because the Spirit is prompting you to know the truth at a deeper level. To give us divine strength to do what he's going to call us to do. I mean, Jesus tells him in Acts 1-8, I don't realize this, we're not in John, but he's just very clear. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm sending one. We just can't skip that. I believe God speaks through humans, fellow journeyers. Sometimes he speaks through people who are not following Christ. I think he uses them at times. I think he speaks through his word, obviously. He speaks through circumstances. But he prompts us by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Jesus I know, if you will, there are times I am going along, minding my own business, and there becomes this conviction over something that I'm out of step with. I don't mean some moral, just so you're not worried about some crazy something, but you're just going, you're out of step here. Get back in step. Look at this. It's out of step. Now, sometimes it is things he convicts me of that I've got to repent of and continue to and say, okay, I can't go there. I can't let those things cross my mind. But I also know I've gone into prayer and fasting, and there are times where I clear my, if you will, Mental calendar, my mental state where I can hear differently. There are times when I believe the Spirit impresses on me things. I'm real careful to say God told me. The only way I ever say that 
is if I read it in his word. <laughs> Not that word, that word. <laughs> I'm real careful not to say that. But I will say God impressed on me, and I believe this is what he's saying to me. And looking back at times, I go, I mean, when I sat in that, whoa, whoa, the wind, the breath. When I sat in that stadium, that football stadium in Hooks, Texas in August of 19 and really 87, I guess. And as I watched that evangelist preach, there came this impression, you're supposed to be doing that. I'd been saved at that point eight months. Again, I've told you before, I hated public speaking. I'd play in front of thousands of people if it, if it was play basketball or baseball. But to speak publicly... But I knew. How did I know in my knower? Jan. A few days later, I pull up in the garage, the carport, and I say, hey, I have something to tell you. Because she, oh, she'd really wanted me to get saved, and I did. That's really all she wanted. I pulled up in the garage. And I said, Jan, at the end of that crusade, and I said, Jan, I got something to tell you. She goes, I know what it is. I said, no, you don't. She said, yes, I do. You've been called to preach. Yeah, I have. I don't know. Often, with me, it's like the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 when they're trying to make the decision, the early church, trying to make decisions about the Gentiles and what they had to do in order to fit in to be like a Jew, if you will. And they're having to make these decisions, one of them being circumcised. And they kind of find, finally the council comes back and says this, and this is where I land so often. It says Acts 15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. It seemed. That's all they had. How many of you have ever been there? That's all you got. But you tried to do the right things. You tried to seek the right information. You tried to pray, but you had to make a decision. Now is the time to do it. It seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. It's sure not going against God's character. It's not going against his word. It just seems right. There's a few of you here who probably got married somewhere along the way. It just seemed right. You didn't get a letter from heaven. You didn't get something writing in the sky. It just seemed right. Sometimes the Holy Spirit rebukes. Years ago, my lead pastor, 1993, like I said, I'm going to share some personal things here, not, but stories, but how I know God, what I believe Jesus, how he leads and how I know him. My lead pastor in Texarkana, when I came on from leaving Alumax to go to youth ministry, and he said, Kurt, I don't want to come here every day and tell you what to do. I need you to hit the ground running and go. So I did. I'm a self-starter. I get kind of creative and kind of come up with things. And about six months into it, he said, come in my office. I said, okay. He had an office with no windows. 
kind of creepy to think about today. Back then, it was a little <laughs> big old desk. I walk in, he throws a legal pad across my desk. The first thing he tells me is, you have an independent spirit. We got to deal with that. I thought, well, dude, you just hired me and told me, just go. I don't want, and he began to read me. He spoke for probably, I don't know what exactly, about an hour and 55 minutes. I spoke for five. And I've been cussed out playing sports. I've been cussed out so bad. The worst part was he didn't even cuss, and it felt worse. <laughs> it just felt worse. <laughs> he chose his words well. And then he threw a legal pad across my desk and said, hey, I need you to fill that thing out every day. Even your days off, I want all your, 24 hours a day, I want to know where you are and what you're doing. I left out of there. Called my brother, my older brother, and said, hey, this is what's going on. He goes, hey, you got a choice, don't you? I said, what? He said, either to quit or do it. <laughs> I go, I, that's, I didn't need that from you. <laughs> but I began to pray. And I went home. In our living room, or den, it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke clearly to me. This is not between you and Harley Patterson. This is between me and you. Will you submit? This has nothing to do with Harley Patterson, who I love dearly to this day. This is between me and you. And basically what I believe he was trying to find out, can I be a follower as much as I want to be a leader? Can I follow without rebelling? Because I found out over the years, in order to be a great leader, you've got to be a great follower. Or what you'll end up doing is sowing rebellion. And you're going to have a hard time leading then. Rebuke. Oh, yeah, I prayed and fasted moving to uh, Grove City, Ohio, the largest, largest youth group in our, in our denomination. Praying and fasting over going to Olathe College Church and get J.K. Warwick and begins up being one of our general superintendents and just praying. God, we're praying about going to Africa, praying about all these things and fasting and praying and going without just water and my Bible and some music at times. That's all I would do for days at a time. And I kept thinking, well, Lord, these are the largest ones in our denomination. I've got to go. I mean, these are the largest. That's what you do. You work your way up, and the Lord would tell me no. And you go, how do you know he'll tell you no? I, I don't really know. It seemed right to me in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and there's a little church in Texarkana, great church, but still a little church. And these are churches that... Our church is 250, and theirs is 3,500, and, and, and you're leading this youth group. And, and somehow or another in there, one day I was praying about Olathe College Church, and I was in this tin building that we were remodeling and, uh, for Jan's business. And I'm in there, and I'm just, Lord, Lord I, I'm not leaving out of here. I, I said, because I know you've been telling me that this, I believe in my spirit that this youth group needs a new youth pastor. So I know I've got to get out of the way in order to do this. And, over, and through my mind and heart came this flooding into my mind. Yeah, they need a youth, new youth pastor, and it's you. You're not going anywhere. It's you. You've got to be different. And for the next year, then I got the phone call from Chandler, Arizona. I got it that year too. I got, that, I got the same call a year later to ask to come to Crossroads in Chandler. I declined it. Then a year later, they called me back, and it was time to go. 
what I'm trying to say to you is that sometimes it's rebuke, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's go. What are you waiting on? Sometimes it's just an impression. It seems right to us in the Holy Spirit. But what I am convinced of is, is that Jesus says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks to our spirit. Without that, we will not know the, 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 the steps or the countenance or the rhythm of God. We just won't. I can't make it something else. I can't make you enough traditions to say make that right. That's what I believe God's word says. His spirit. Connecting to our spirit. First Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is active. Excuse me, that's not the one I'm looking at. I left from last week, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. This is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's Paul quoting Isaiah 64. But it was to us that God Reveal these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. The pneuma, the place in you where it gives purpose and life, it's the thing that allows you to connect to God. Your spirit and soul, and body, and we can teach on that, we may teach that some other time during the fall. We're not going to camp out on that because it's a fascinating study, I think, not because we teach it, just because I think it's something that helps us grasp this a little bit. But the Spirit allows us to have communion and fellowship with God. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. We are being transformed back into the image. The Spirit allows us to do that. We've been reminded over the last 18 months And we all knew it before. We're fragile. We're fragile people on one side. Made from dust, returned to dust. But the great news is at that same time of how fragile in some ways we are, we've been breathed into by the creator of the universe. And this divine breath is in every single person, every single human that's ever been created. Your life is but a breath. Scripture says here today, going tomorrow. 
but you were breathed into by the creator of everything. I mean, you know, breath is important. When you're born, they need you to breathe. And when you quit breathing, you die. The same word for spirit and breath. Scripture says God is as close as our breath. Scripture is really clear about breath. I mean, breathing is, is such a huge part of the much larger story that's going on in our world, right? The entire balance of life on earth is contingent on breathing. If we don't breathe out, the plants don't breathe, just go look it up. The whole thing is based on breath. I often don't breathe well, breathe, breathe well, breathe well in this sense. Jen knows this. It's not even the fact that I love ice baths necessarily. In the middle of January, I'm in my pool and it's not heated. And Jen knows the reason, only, main reason I love it is because my breathing slows down. I said to you last week when I stood right here and I interrupted the song, if our soul could cry out, what would it cry out right now? If my spirit man cried out. And as I worked through this week, I can tell you what I believe it was saying to me was, slow down, stop, breathe. Most of the time nowadays, I don't know if you do this, if I get a chance to breathe or veg, if you will, it may be binge watching a series. Not against it. Just not sure what that's, I don't know, sure that's the way to breathe. Matter of fact, it may be putting things in your mind and heart that upset you more than, I'm not saying don't go do it, I'm just saying, that's how most of us breathe. Somehow gadgets, something noise, somehow or another we think we can start breathing and, and get meditating with noise. We breathe 150 bathtubs full of air every day. 23,000 breaths a day. Our body waste, for many, to stay healthy, we've got, obviously, we've got to get rid of the waste. We'll eliminate 11% of our waste from the toilet, 19% through perspiration, 70% is through breathing. So if I say to you, I didn't stop today to catch my breath all day, it means that 
I didn't get rid of all the toxins. That ultimately can kill you, if you will. <sighs> how many of you in here need to learn how to breathe again? The breath. Because I love the way in Genesis 2, God breathed into them and they became living. How many of you ever feel like you're just existing but not living? You're getting the job done. You're checking the boxes. You're getting from here to there. But you're just. You've heard us use the term here, margin, from Richard Swenson's book. But I, I love his quote. Because sometimes we think about breathing as just quitting everything. And I, we all know better than that. But margin, Richard Swenson says, margin rightly conceived. It's not about laziness, mediocrity, and non-involvement. It is about focus, discipline, and self-control. But mostly is it prioritizing space where we concentrate on the things that matter most. And the biggest challenge for most of us is not the margin part. It's what matters most. Because we've not got quiet before God. We haven't breathed. And we've made things way more important, some things that than should be. And let the Spirit have a chance to speak to your spirit. Last Wednesday, the rain, I was going to go hiking at South Mountain. I love hiking in the rain, and, or at least right after it's rained, or I like both. But I had this bright idea, hey, I'm going to go hike Piestua. Go to the summit. Hadn't done that since pre-COVID, so, man, I took off, got in the truck, came off, got over here, did all my stretching, because I know Piestua, if you've done Piestua Summit, it's, it's, it's a challenge for people like me. <laughs> I don't know if you, most of you, I don't know if you got the sign there, but those of you who know which one, that way you can... If you're ever over there, that's the one you want to do. Well, I don't know if it's the one you want to do, but it's the one I always do. And I thought to myself, well, if I only make it up about 85% of the summit, that's okay up the trail because if you've ever done it, you know there's a certain, it's a stair-stepper for a mile and a half, two miles. That's what it is, basically. You just go in, but I thought, you know, I hadn't done it in so long because you kind of have to be in hiking shape, and some of you think that's silly, but it really is uh, some kind of, you know. And so, uh, so I'm going along there, and I finally reach a certain point And I was just done. Couldn't go any further. I was shocked. Because those who know me, I, I kind of mind over matter, push through, push through, push through. I couldn't go any further. And I just sat down. And you know, when I sat down, I turned around. I hadn't even looked out. I sat down and turned around. And I saw this. If we can see this video. It's hard to see it. But how green, you can't tell it quite as much, how green the valley is right now. In July. I mean, August, in this time of year, who, whoever sees that? I haven't in 23 years. By the way, I love the valley. If you take my note from a few weeks ago, I love Arizona, just so you know, and have for 23 years. God changed that too. But as I sat there, 
I begin, and, and by resting, I begin to see something I had not seen because my goal was the summit. My goal was not looking out across the valley. My goal was not that. But all of a sudden, because I couldn't breathe anymore and my legs were burning, I sat down and saw. And just reminded, breathe. Slow down. The goal isn't that. The goal is this journey. And sometimes you just have to stop. Now, I played basketball for a long time. I was a runner for a long time. And there's something, it's called a phenomenon. You may, some people have never uh, dealt with it or even really heard, they've maybe heard the phrase, but it's called second wind. And I remember playing basketball. I'd play hard. I back when I was really in shape. Uh, and, I, and I would go and go and go and go, and you'd be playing as hard as you could. And you feel like your lungs are about to blow up. And you're going, I can't go. Then all of a sudden, you stand at a free throw line, a guy's shooting free throw, and you're just kind of sitting there kind of going, <sighs> somewhere in the middle of the first quarter. And you play three and a half quarters then off that second wind. And never even think about it again. But something happens in that moment. It's kind of a phenomenon if you've never had it. As a runner, you have it too. But you just feel this. Soccer players, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, say all of a sudden, not like God put them there, but this man comes walking up, a little younger than me, and he just says to me, hey, you going to the top? I was thinking, I ain't going to the top. And out of my mouth, I said, yep, I am. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> and I got up. And I started walking. And talking to my new companion. And he and I made it all the way to the summit. My legs didn't burn as much. My lungs were not blowing out. Partly, I'd got my second wind. Partly, I had a companion. We always have a companion. He's always with us. And every now and then, he substitutes a little bit of that for people that'll help you go the place you need to go. You might not go on by yourself. There's a picture of my summit. I'd have missed this. Not a big deal at all. But just keep it on top of that summit and the clouds all around you. And it's just going, Lord, thank you. I've got to learn how to breathe. I've got to learn how to rest. I've got to learn how to slow down because I'm going to miss it. As a matter of fact, if I learn how to slow down and breathe, I might get my second wind. I know from basketball, my second wind, that wind's longer than my first wind. That's the crazy thing. But got to learn how to get it. Because one of the things that over these next many weeks, I may be here most Sundays, but I won't be preaching most Sundays. I'm okay with that. I felt like this last year and a half. I've needed to stand in this pulpit. And I'm not saying we're completely out of it, whatever we're, wherever we're headed. 
But I know this, I got to breathe. Just like you do. It's not a curt thing. Because one of the things that I told Jan, and in some ways it bothered me. I didn't tell her this, but some ways it makes me feel good. I weep more now. It's usually not my M.O. I want to weep for people in Afghanistan. I want to know what's breaking God's heart. I want to know that. I want to know what's going on in Haiti. I don't want to just hear it and go, okay, I, I, yeah, I got to go get that sermon finished, or I got to get that contract done, or I got to go. Do you realize the largest population of Nazarenes in the world, at least it was, I think it still is, of people in part of the church, is in Haiti, outside the U.S. I didn't make Nazarenes better than anybody else. I'm just telling you, we got folks who we're connected to. One of the things that happens when you get exhausted and you don't breathe is that people become an annoyance to you, not a blessing. Nothing personal. You're not near as compassionate. When was the last time anything broke your heart? That just didn't affect you directly. But because you watched. Because the spirit was going. I'm working there. I'm working right there. And I'm choosing you to help me. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come as we close today. And I know it's, we're a little over. Since I won't be preaching a few weeks, I thought I could take a few minutes extra. How about that? I remember what it was like to be adventurous. I heard a word the other day and I thought, I love that word. Because I feel like that's kind of where I was at one time. I don't know that I am anymore. It's called a constructive rebel. I want to be a constructive rebel again. Challenge the status quo. But for the good of the kingdom. Not for my good. I want to be adventurous. I want my heart to break and say we will go there. We'll take those people there. We'll go. But when you're just trying to make it from week to week. I don't know about you. I just get pretty tired of that. I want to make a difference. Not just make it to the end. What if the second wind's greater than the first wind? Here's the one thing about getting old. If I'd have sat there on that rock much longer, I'd have got too stiff and I wouldn't have been able to make it. Anybody got an amen to that? (laughs) You got to get up and go. We can't sit here long. We got respite. We got rest. We got Sabbath. We got all those things. We got to go. If not, we'll get stiff and we can't get up and go again. We'll just have all kinds of reasons not to go. But we got to get the rest. As the Spirit speaks to your spirit. Plan this message 
in an unplanned way. I say, Lord, you do what you will. But if nothing else today, I hope. If you feel a little stuck, allow the Spirit to move where He moves. Let the wind blow where it blows. And just see what happens. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand with us? It's a new song I know we sang this morning. Altars are open as they, obviously they were not during COVID, but they are now. For a place just to come and pray. We didn't take them out. I hope we never do. To come and pray if you feel comfortable doing that. But it's Josiah and him lead us. If you need to go, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. But if not, sing with us. Let me pray for us. Lord, we pray right now that we don't live off of 2012's anointing. We don't live off of 2019's anointing. But we don't live off of summer of 2020 crying out to you because we were so confused but so willing to be used to give things away to support in a unique way but Lord we need anointing today then we need anointing tomorrow then we need anointing on Tuesday to do all you ask us to do Lord I'm going to pray a prayer that is dangerous break our hearts for what breaks your heart and give us the courage to follow after we pray this in Jesus name amen sing with us